When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome into the Phoenix Sports Podcast presented by the DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Make sure to hit that like button, subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, and leave us a five-star review. It's your girls, Michaela Perkins and Houston Susell, and it is a Friday, so we are cracking open a cold one from our friends at Four Peaks Brewery, and uh, today I'm drinking the Peach Golden Ale, one of my absolute favorites. Tristan is missing a beer, and I'm really sad because I can't cheers you. <laughs> um, I have an empty Starbucks cup. <laughs> I'll take it. Cheers, Red. <laughs> cheers. <laughs> Highly caffeinated for the show. That's what we need to be. We need the energy because, holy cow, do we have a jam-packed show planned for you guys today. If you're watching over on Twitter, head on over to YouTube and join in the comments if you're in the comments, say hi, hello, tell us what's up. We love to include you in the show. It's the best part of the whole thing. So definitely comment along with us as the show goes on. Charles Woodall Pike saying, hi, friends. Hi, Charles. <laughs> um, cheers. How was your week? Are you excited for another show? Yeah. Um, week was great, but I'm so glad it's Friday. Oh. I, I'm, I'm so thrilled for it to be Friday. Also because um, one more sleep until I get to play pickleball. So <laughs> I Saturday morning pickleball hits different. And so when Friday rolls around, I know that's upcoming. Like obviously there's the show. I love the show. We love it. So there's that. But then just knowing that I get to wake up tomorrow and play pickleball, I'm thrilled. I don't understand the craze of pickleball. I never will, probably because I don't like to work out, but it's fine. <laughs> you know what I do understand the craze for, though, is Four Peaks beer. It is the best beer I have ever drank in my entire life. The uh, Peach Golden Ale is one of my favorites, but the, the Hazy IPA is by far so away the best one that they make. I'm obsessed with it. So if you haven't already, make sure to go over to fourpeaks.com and use their beer finder to find a, retail, a retailer near you that sells Four Peaks brews and go pick some up at the store. You can also head down to their brewery in Tempe off 8th Street. They've got an amazing food menu and of course all of their beers on tap. I can't recommend it enough. It's a great way to spend your weekend. Head down to the Four Peaks Brewery in Tempe and hang out, get your weekend started right. But as always, remember 21 and up and please drink responsibly. One more thing to add, it's super trendy, great vibes at that brewery. So if you are able to go out and check it out, highly recommend. Yes, 10 out of 10. <laughs> All right, let's th get things going with a brand new segment called Say What? Say it's things what? throughout the week that made us say, say what? All right, so first off, uh, the conversation surrounding Kyler Murray's contract situation uh, it's still ongoing. He still does not have a new contract. So Cliff Kingsbury out at OTAs this week was asked about it. And here's what he had to say. 
There's no doubt. Um, I mean, he's he's the leader of this franchise. You know, we're about to make him, um, I, I'm sure, the highest paid player this franchise history and, and so he understands what comes with that and, and the guys know what he can be at his best and, and anytime uh, we can get the whole band out there um, things pick up about to make him the highest paid player in franchise history I think we all like when we think about it it's like okay well no duh for the contract that he's looking for and just where we're at with the like just the market right now the quarterback market um, and what they're um, you know, like the baseline salaries you're going for. So like, like we understand that, but when you hear it out yeah. loud, it's like things are getting real here. And then Cliff also said that he's hoping that they get it done before training camp, obviously, so that they don't have to carry that conversation into training camp. Well, training camp starts at the end of July. So hoping that they get it done here in the next four or five weeks. Yeah, I have kind of felt that they've kind of skirted around this whole thing. You know, they said, Cliff and, and kind of said, we're, we want to get a deal done, like, blah, blah, blah. But it's always been very vague to me. But then to, like, hear Cliff, like, up there saying we're, like, going to make him the highest played player in fan- franchise history was, like, oh, my gosh. Like, that to me was, like, a concrete, like, they're serious about this. Like, they are going to get this deal done. Like, and I've been looking around the internet as to, like, what ballpark that would mean and a bunch of people have thrown out some numbers but the consensus is somewhere around like a six-year 42 to 46 million dollar contract which in total would be close to 280 million dollars um (laughs) that's insane but also like I mean I I can see like where they get those numbers from based off the market and what other quarterbacks have gotten this offseason but just to hear Cliff say that he's about to be the highest played player in franchise history, like, holy cow, like, <laughs> it really put a lot of things into perspective. Like, it was crazy to hear. Yeah, uh, I'm sure it was music to Kyler Murray's ears. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's great because I think that just kind of as we've kind of been getting towards this window of time that Steve Kime said they were going to get this deal done. It seems like everything is going along with that timeline, like Kyler Murray showing up, the conversations we're having, Cliff making a pretty bold statement about like, we're about to make him the highest played player in franchise history. I'm sure. I mean, he wouldn't say that unless he knew a thing or two about the fact that they're going to be able to get it done. Um, So all good things, but yeah, it's definitely one of those things where you're like, Oh, Oh, okay. Okay. Tyler did show up to mandatory minicamp. That was like a question that a lot of us had, like if he was going to sit out of mandatory activities, if like a deal wasn't done in place before, but he was there. So like you said, there's probably a lot of things going on behind the scenes that we just don't know of yet. And for Cliff to come out and say something that bold and impactful, obviously there has to be some things working that maybe we're just not apprised to yet. But I'm interested to see what the actual number of the deal is, like when it's announced. Like I'm really interested to see where they land and like what is agreed upon. Because if it's in the upward of the $280 million, like that's going to be insane. Like that's on the higher end too of the deals that have been floated out there. Oh, I'm more than sure that that's the kind of money he's going to get. Speaking of guys that are getting paid, all of the guys and players that are now a part of the Live Golf Tournament, or Tour rather, Live Golf Tour, um, are all getting paid. And um, out of the U.S. Open this week, that was a big topic of conversation, asking players what they felt about 
that tour, a, a whole lot of politics are behind that and whatnot. But uh, John Rahm made a case for why he's not going to join the Live Golf Tour, unlike uh, fellow Arizona State alum Phil Mickelson, guys like Bryson DeChambeau, Dustin Johnson. Uh, he made headlines for the case that he made, which was very compelling. But there was one thing in particular that he said that struck a chord with me. I do see the appeal that other people see towards the live golf. Um, I do see some of the, I put this delicately, um, points or arguments they can make towards why they prefer it. Uh, to be honest, part of the format is not really appealing to me. Shotgun three days to me is not a golf tournament, no cut. It's that simple. Uh, I want to play against the best in the world in a format that's been going on for hundreds of years. Right? So that's what I want to see. And yeah, money is great. But when Kelly and I, was, this first thing happened, we, we started talking about it. And we're like, will our lifestyle change if I got 400 million? No. It will not change one bit. Will our lifestyle change if I got 400 million? No. It will not change one bit. You're like, could you imagine sitting there and having an actual conversation with your spouse and saying, if we had 400 more million dollars, like would our lifestyle change and you are dead at dead, what dead butt looking at each other. <laughs> I'm trying not to swear. Last time I let an F bomb fly, and I was like embarrassed for a whole week. Dead ass. <laughs> Dead ass. <laughs> um, thank you for that. Uh, I'm just pop in and cuss for you whenever you don't want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> Next time I want to, I'll, I'll start the word, and Sean, you just pop in and like finish it for me. All right. I like that. We've got a little duo going. Okay. Well, anyway, imagine just looking at your spouse and just being like totally serious and saying like, yeah, $400 million. Our lifestyle wouldn't change at all. We don't need that. Excuse me. Nope. Never in my life, never in my life would I be able to say something like that. Mostly because I'm pretty sure I'll never even get close to like a small amount of seeing that money ever. But $400 million is life changing money. Like there is no way that you could sit there and seriously say, our lifestyle wouldn't change. Are you kidding me? Like what is going on? And the what? thing is, is I saw this floating around everywhere, like this, this comment and everyone was like, oh, well said or whatever. And nobody was talking about the fact, nobody was talking about the fact that he literally said his lifestyle would not change with 400. And he was serious. I mean, the dude's made a ton of money, uh, you know, on tour with his sponsorships. And if he, you know, prefers the style of play on the PGA tour better and the competition and whatever, I mean, he obviously is, has an old school mentality about it and like, it's not for him, but and nobody seemed to, to like bat an eyelash at the fact that he said $400 million wouldn't change his lifestyle. I could not believe that. I was shook. I think Sean was telling us that he made 33 ish million dollars alone from just like playing in PGA tour like circuit. So Obviously, that's a lot of money, but $400 million is so much more. And I know there's sponsorships and other tournaments and things that are involved, but I just couldn't. Like, I almost feel like it's kind of, like, not arrogant, but, I mean, come on. Like, $400 million is life-changing to so many people. And to just, like, not even bat an eyelash at that to me is crazy. crazy. Yeah.
Chris said, but you could help so many people, even if you have your house and car, et cetera. So yeah. Um, I don't know. I mean, to each his own, like if like, he's certainly, you know, welcome to decide how he wants to spend his career and who he wants to work for in a sense, that's essentially picking your employer. Right. But, um, he didn't mince words, with what he said, whether it was about the salary or the style of play, which is different um, on, in, in live golf. So interesting. Also, this is a if you want $400 million to me. I'll take it, please. Just Venmo me, cash out me, whatever. I'll take the money. <laughs> I would take $40 at this point. So this economy is screwed up right now. I would take 40. If anyone wants to Venmo me $40, I'll take it. <laughs> Okay, let's move on to the last thing that made us say, say what this week. Flex from Jersey, friend of the show, friend of PHNX, especially our PHNX Suns podcast, tweeted out, uh, I've said it since the season ended, but Aiton's days in Phoenix are likely over. The Suns seriously consider trading Aiton at the deadline and nothing has changed. Um, a sign and trade is inevitable at this point with both sides likely working together to get the best deal for the Suns and Aiton. So it seems like everybody right now is like heading towards this idea that DeAndre Aiton is definitely going to be gone and that they're going to work out a sign and trade deal. I will say, um, it's crazy to think about, we've been talking about it for a long time, but it's crazy to think about the fact that he will not be a, a Phoenix Sun if that tr does come to fruition. And I was always in the boat, I guess, for the last few weeks that like, yeah, sign and trade is probably the better uh, way to go for a multitude of reasons. But I saw Espo mention this where he felt like maybe signing him for what he wants isn't like the money isn't like the best like deal, but it, in if you look at it from a, a standpoint of what you would be able to to get for just straight up trading him, like if you sign him and then you trade him, it's probably going to be better than whatever you're going to be able to work out in a sign and trade. And so now I'm like, dang, maybe they should just sign him and then see what they can get after the fact. No, 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 no. I hate that so much. I want to keep. Why? Aiden is, the, uh, uh, Aiden is an incredible player. They literally used the first overall pick in the NBA draft on him. He is a part of the young core that this team has established. And time and time and time and time again, we have heard James Jones say consistency, keeping things the same. That's what we're like organization is built on. Like we need to keep things the same. That's a part of the reason why they didn't make a big move at the trade deadline last season. And I just think it would be such a mistake and such a waste to get rid of someone that is an identity and a core piece of this team. And it's not like DeAndre Ayton's a bad player. He's a good player. He is a great center and having a good center that in my opinion can play both offense and defense. I know there's a debate on what side of the ball he's better on, but it would be such a waste to get rid of DeAndre Ayton. And Gerald has this awesome article up on gophnx.com that you can read about like seven potential sign and trade deals that like make sense and would work both cap wise, player wise and whatever. And every single one of those seven potential trades I hate. 
I hate them all. Like there's one with the Indiana Pacers for like uh, Miles Turner and Chris Duarte and the sixth overall pick in the draft. I hate that. I don't want Miles Turner or Chris Duarte. Yeah, I'm, a- I'm actually totally for that's why I well, f- I, that's why I, I'm I'm leaning towards being against the sign and trade. And I think that if they're going to offload him, that they should just sign him and then trade him after the fact. Like I'm actually like all on board for that. But here's the thing, and and Chris even touched on it. Um saying unhappy players are toxic to the team. Now I'm not gonna go as far as to say that he's toxic to the team, but he's definitely frustrated with the organization, as he should be. Um, you know, I think that he put his head down and had a really great attitude to playing this past season, even after he didn't get um, the contract deal he was searching for. But I think once his name was floated around at the trade deadline, that they were interested, potentially interested in in trading him like mid season. I don't think that sat well with him. And I think this is just my personal opinion. I think things maybe began to shift after that. Um, But bottom line is, is it unrepairable? I I don't know about that, but you know, sometimes like, and I would, I would hate to see this because he's a great player with that very high ceiling and he's going to have a very long successful career in the NBA, wherever he goes or whether he stays here in Arizona. But um, sometimes it's just better to have a change of scenery, a change of pace and you fire lit under you to really get your full potential And so, like, I don't know if that is with the Phoenix Suns, like if they're going to be able to repair and then get the most out of Aiden or if there's another deal that they can work out that makes sense for everybody. Now, granted, I'm not saying like he's terrible for the team. He's not like, no, 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 no. Like if if it made sense. I would say keep him around. Like I, I love what he brings to the team for sure. But um, right now I'm sort of just leaning towards maybe the sign and trade from what I've seen floated around. Maybe that isn't in the best interest of the Phoenix Suns right now. Yeah. I definitely hate all of the sign and trade deals that have been thrown out there that work for the Phoenix Suns. I think they all devalue DeAndre Ayton as a draft, as what he was as a draft pick, as what he is as a current player. Like, I just don't like any of the sign and trade. So if I'm James Jones, I'm definitely not making that decision. But um, Vaughn Delacroix said something in the comments that I definitely like wanted to point out. Um, he said he's frustrated because he's putting in the work and still not getting paid. It's an easy fix. Give him the money. I think that there's some truth behind that. Like, if you're in and you manage to put on a front and be really mature about not getting your rookie supermax extension when it was due and you go out there and you play and you're putting in the work and then you're still getting treated the way you're getting treated. And I just don't think that it, he was getting treated. Like I, I would have given Deandre Ayton the money and just gotten this over with. And so that he wouldn't have any ill will feelings towards the organization. And I feel like a lot of what we're seeing is that a culmination of like how he's frustrated with the fact that he hasn't been paid yet. And I feel like that's, like, fair. Like, it's not like he's a bad player. Like, he is talented. He is worth money. And so I just feel like some of the frustrations and the things that we see that, like, oh, maybe he's, like, bad in the locker room or he's, like, creating a toxic environment. I think that kind of stems from the fact that he's frustrated that he wasn't getting paid. He put on a front and a good face and he went out there and he played and then he's still kind of, like, in a way getting disrespected. So maybe if, like, those would go money. Oh, well, also to be fair, I've never heard anything about him being toxic to the locker room. Like yeah. I haven't heard that. I mean, obviously you can, you can say 
with what happened between him and Monty in that final game of the season, like, oh, well, that can't be good. But I never heard anything throughout the season at all at any point that DeAndre Ayton was like toxic to the locker room. So I will also make sure that that is said as well. These are all just sort of speculation of like, if the relationship has really gone south, is that good for the locker room? Like, again, it's just all theory and speculation. I just hope that they keep him. I'm a pro DeAndre Ayton girl, and I hope that he stays. I think it'd be so weird to see him in any under, any uniform besides Phoenix Suns uniform. I think it would be a big mistake. Somebody in the comments said it's like Joe Johnson 2.0, <laughs> and I kind of agree. Like that, it def, it very definitely feels like it is Joe Johnson 2.0, and uh, we've never like lived to see a brighter future after that. We, I think everybody that's a Phoenix Suns fan has always regretted that decision and not re-signing Joe Johnson. So. Hopefully DeAndre Ayton is not the same thing and we can avoid repeating history because that would be really sad. (laughs) Well, the good thing is uh, for you, at least um, the DraftKings Sportsbook app, you can bet on which team DeAndre Ayton is going to play for next year. And right now the Suns are the most likely at plus 350, followed by the Pistons at plus 380, then the Spurs and then the Pacers. So right now, the folks in Vegas, according to the DraftKings Sportsbook app, seem to think that this that they're the best odds are that he will actually stay in Phoenix. Well, I love to hear that. Um, if I'm a betting woman, which I am, I'm going to go on the DraftKings Sportsbook app and put my money on the fact that Aiden is coming back and playing for the Phoenix Suns because I'm speaking it into an existence. I'm emotionally hedging and just putting my money where my heart is. But you know what else you can bet on on the DraftKings Sportsbook app? The Stanley Cup Final and the Colorado Avalanche are winning. Literally go on to the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and put all your money on the Colorado Avalanche winning the Stanley Cup Final because that's what's going to happen. You can't tell me otherwise. And I've already put my money on it, so I'm a little nervous, especially for the Game 2. But um, I'm hoping that I don't regret my decision because I'm not going to. And the Colorado Avalanche are going to win the Stanley Cup and be the Stanley Cup champions. Go Colorado Avalanche. Kirsten, who are you putting your money on? Abs or Lightning? (laughs) Well, I'm always in this situation. I'm just going to go with the team that I have some amount of a connection to, which would be the Colorado Avalanche, because I used to work in Colorado and cover the team and have been to many of Avs games. So... Um, I always have to root or bet, put my money on the team that I have a rooting interest for. So abs all the way. We love to hear it. Go abs. I'm a Colorado girl all the way. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. And when you use promo code PHNX, new customers can bet $5 on either NHL team to win their game. And you'll get $150 in free bets, no matter what, sorry, $100 in free bets, no matter what. That's Promo code PHNX at the DraftKings Sportsbook app, the official sports betting partner of the Stanley Cup final. Must be 21 or older, Arizona only, new customers only. Minimum $5 deposit required, restrictions apply. See show notes for details. Go abs. So Bees said something. Why can't anything ever be simple in Arizona sports like ever? And that oh. is a great segue into our next oh, segment. Wait. Just wait, bees. Do we have the segment for you? It might be hot as hell outside right now in Arizona, but we need a temperature check because it is cold as shit right now (laughs) when it comes to our Arizona sports teams. And truly, we can't have anything nice, just like bees said. 
I am really sad about what we're about to talk about, but it's going to be fun because we're all here. We're all in this together and we can work through it in the comments. We're going to be like a therapy session. Okay. So on Twitter this week, a friend of the show, Matt Johnson tweeted out something that was extremely interesting. And, um, it basically just drove like a stake through the heart of all Arizona sports fans because he so lovingly pointed out that um, Arizona sports are in a little bit of a conundrum right now, saying that it must be boring to be in a city with competent sports teams. And uh, he tweeted screenshots of uh, the conundrums that are happening right now. So let's go through one by one and kind of break these down. The first one is from our own PHNX Cardinals account, pointing out the fact that Rodney Hudson was not at mandatory minicamp this week he did not have an excused absence and the team really was being really vague about where he was what was going on there is a problem but we're not sure what that problem is all we know is that Rodney Hudson was not at camp and we don't know why but it wasn't an excused absence and I don't know about you Cheerston but this freaks me out because Rodney Hudson is obviously the starting center for the Cardinals and is an extremely good one at that and if you take Rodney Hudson out of the equation, the Cardinals don't have anybody else to play center. I mean, they were trying things with Justin Pugh and mand mandatory minicamp. But um, I don't know how I feel about that. I don't think it's very good, though. <laughs> I, I think Justin Pugh is jumping at the opportunity because he said he sort of tapped out at what he could make at guard. So he's like, all right, well, let me let me move over and see if I can handle this position. But yeah, obviously... Uh, Rodney Hudson, the glue to that offensive line. And if you don't have a solid offensive line, then your offense isn't going to work. Kyler Murray's not going to get the protection he needs and everything starts up front. So that's just football 101. So obviously if you're center, you're starting veteran center, who was such a leader, you know, not only for his unit, but for the entire offense. Um, and it's just an incredibly experienced guy. So like his, the way that he goes about his business definitely rubbed off on, you know, the rest of the offensive line. So a guy that you definitely want, but also you definitely need. Um, I think people were speculating it might be a contract situation. People were uh, speculating that maybe he's thinking about retiring. I, I don't know what the situation is, but yeah, I don't think we were expecting that this was something that was going to pop up at OTAs. Yeah, uh, it's an unexcused absence, and uh, we're not really going to talk about anything more than that. I mean, that that's, that's scary. Yeah, it's terrifying, and um, it doesn't make me feel very good. And I think it's a hugely underreported thing, like, Everybody was so worried about Kyler Murray that nobody, like, everyone forgot about Rocky Hudson. And so we're just now talking about No, nobody about knew. It. Yeah, it just, oh, I'm scared. I'm scared and I hope everything works out because the Cardinals need him to play center more than, more than anything besides Kyler being their quarterback. So um, I hope they get that worked out. But the next tweet that Matt Johnson so lovingly pointed out was the dumpster fire that is Arizona State University Athletics. ASU football Herm Edwards was slammed, literally slammed by opposing coaches saying, quote, it's the biggest dumpster fire. Here's the full quote. This is the biggest dumpster fire in foot college football. It is absolutely mind blowing that Herm Edwards is still employed, at least in the mind of college coaching community. Everyone knows it's a ticking time bomb, but no one knows if it's going off in a month or a year from now. 
Hey, holy crap. Well, no, I mean, that's so accurate. Also, I don't think he literally got slammed. That would be a whole other um, argument here. (laughs) You're like, he literally got slammed. I was like, what? Um, We've all been thinking that. I mean, every single one of us were like, how is he still? It's literally a ticking time bomb with this investigation like how is he still I mean might as well just like make your coaching change now because at least um I mean I don't know unless they think that he's able to run the program better or maybe somebody's not going to want to come in and replace him until they know exactly what's going to be handed down to that program maybe that plays into it um like I have no idea why he's still the head coach and I hate saying this because I genuinely I, I love her yeah I love Herm as a human being. He's so sweet and so kind, especially to people in the media, which obviously plays to my like heartstrings. But yeah, I am on the same page. I don't know why he's still employed. Like the entire recruiting scandal has been so bad. Losing the starting quarterback, Jaden Daniels, has been so bad. All of the people transferring out of the uh, like transferring out of Arizona State and going into the transfer portal, so bad. Like it truly well, is. First off, Jaden Daniels leaving, I don't think was a bad thing. Sean, do you want to add your two cents into this? Jaden Daniels leaving was was a godsend because now I yeah. have Emory Jones, who was a significant upgrade. Um, so I am more than at the time it, it hurt, but now I am more okay. than fine. At the time, it was really bad. Now the fact that we have his replacement and his replacement is, in my opinion, better, I'm fine with it. But it looked really, really bad at the time when your starting quarterback transfers the program. Like, everybody was probably looking at Arizona State like, what is going on down there? Like, why can't they keep their starting quarterback happy? Like, no, oh, it happens all it happens all yeah. the freaking time in college football. The only thing that was sketchy about the Jaden Daniels situation was the fact that he came out, said that he was staying, and then changed his mind after the fact. It, yeah. we, everybody thought like, oh, he said he's staying, like that's he's he's gonna remain the quarterback at ASU. Had it just been him simply transferring out, that would have been a completely different scenario. I never thought that Jaden Daniels had a very high ceiling. Like whatever Herm Edwards was saying about him since he was a freshman, I never really saw that unfold with Jaden Daniels. So um, I I felt like the program could use another quarterback leading their offense. And um, I think it definitely panned out best for them i'm i'm surprised that like they haven't had a like 100 turnover and the fact that they even have like their quarterback that they have now i mean i'm surprised it's not in worse shambles yeah i um the Jaden daniels thing looks bad in the context of all the other people that left but the worst part for me was the was eric gentry all-american freshman linebacker um leaving that's the worst one and leaving for an in-conference all of this is all of it individually is is what it is but it's when you put it in the context of everything that's going on with asu sports like chris mentioned softball coaches before leaving it just is it dumpster fire is a pretty uh accurate way to describe what's happening yeah everything asu athletic wise right now is dumpster fire there's multiple programs that are going through it the baseball program's going through it the softball program's going through it like it's just not a good time to be an asu sports fan and as we all, all, all three of us are alums of Arizona State University. It's not great to see. It hurts our hearts a little bit. Figure it out, ASU. Figure it out, Ray Anderson. <laughs> Figure it out, Michael Crow. Yeah. 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 List. Um, all right. The third tweet that was a part of Matt Johnson's tweet was um, about something that we've all heard about for a while now. Um, this is a continuation of the Robert Sarver Sons Work Culture Saga. 
Um, a longtime Phoenix Sun employee resigned from the team last month, alleging she became the target of bullying and retaliation by superiors after raising gender equity concerns and misconduct with the organization. Documents attained by ESPN show. Um, I read the article. It was a woman who was in a senior position within the Suns organization. And the allegations that she made were extremely serious and kind of go hand in hand with some of the other things that we've heard about the work environment that has been allegedly created by Robert Sarver. Um, and it's really disappointing and just like another layer to this very like overall sad puzzle. And I feel so bad for that woman and all of the other um, people in that workplace that are experiencing a toxic work environment um, or misogyny, misogyny, whatever it might be. And um, this article, I think, kind of was an interesting reminder as to what is happening in that sense organization right now, because I think, you know, the story originally broke. Um, it kind of got lost in the DeAndre Ayton drama, the Suns make it to the finals. Like, it, I feel like it kind of got, like, pushed to, like, the back of our minds. And then this article drops and it's like, oh, the Suns are still dealing with this. And it's still a very real problem that hasn't been resolved yet. And it's just, like, super disappointing that um, one of the teams in the Valley is having to go through this like it just sucks yeah it's just like is this something that's even resolvable like has years and years and years of a toxic work environment or alleged toxic work environment and all these stories of how people have been reportedly uh, mistreated and it wasn't just like these aren't like one-offs either so it's like is this something that's even resolvable or is this just gonna like continue to be a saga of like, we're just, are we going to turn a blind at some point? Is it just going to like, we're going to be sick of talking about it? Are we going to turn a blind eye to it? Like the, the guy owns the team. So like, I mean, and, and also you have to wonder like, is it, was it a direct, did it directly come from Sarver or is it other, is it like Sarver and then other people that he has in charge? So like even Sarver is not maybe the entire problem. Like it just sounds like there's a huge culture issue over there. And it's unfortunate because that's something that's just going to continue to like hang over everybody's heads. And I'm sure it was something that while the Suns were, you know, having this record season and now they're making, you know, like now they're in the playoffs, like everybody just sort of pushed everything to the side. And I would imagine that this is now uh, at the forefront of everybody's minds, maybe not the, the people who are investigating and have been investigating the entire time. But I think for people internally, the fan base, et cetera, I think now we're like, Oh wait, we, we, we've been putting this off, but like, it's still a very much, very much a thing that's hanging over our heads. And it's unfortunate. Yeah, it's super unfortunate. Um, in the article, she mentioned how she was being excluded from like important dinners with clients, like not being invited. And that was by her like coworkers and uh, um, other people who are seniors in the um, organization as well. So I think it's gone even beyond Robert Sarver. And it really has affected other people in senior management in that organization. And so I don't know what the resolution is. Obviously, we don't know all the details, the NBA investigation. I don't know if it's still ongoing or if they've completed it at this point. Either way, we haven't heard of what the resolution of that investigation is going to be. But I just hope something is done that makes that work environment better for the people that work there um, and really addresses the issue to the core, whether that's resetting the front office and anyone who had any like reports of bad work conduct or whatever it is, I just hope that they resolve this because it's so unfair to the people that work there. And 
you know, you and I both work in sports, like working in sports is supposed to be fun. Like it's like our dream. It's like a dream to work in sports and to what you love and to be a part of an organization that you identify with and to have that be such a negative experience. I really feel for those employees. So I hope that they can address it and they find like a solution that is like a long-term solution. CL Oracle saying, I wish Larry Fitz would just own the Suns. Yeah. We need to figure out a way to, from, to make him uh, go from minority owner to majority <laughs> owner, like real quick. Yeah. That'll fix things. Like let's go Larry. <laughs> Very thrilled for owner. Let's start the campaign. Um, all right, let's get on to the last part of that tweet, which has to do with the Diamondbacks. Um, our friends over at AZ Snake Pit, uh, they wrote an article about how the Diamondbacks' av- batting average of 0.216 is the lowest by any National League team with a season of 60 or more games in the live ball era. Um, Well, first of all, if you are a steam head and you love analytics and the Diamondbacks and or baseball, head on over to AZ Sink Pit and check out that article because it's a really well done article that goes really in depth into the Diamondbacks issues on offense. And I can't recommend it enough. But oh, my God. Yeah. So basically, like if it if they sustain it, then it would be the lowest in an over 60 game season by a National League team. So like basically in like this era of baseball, like they're, we are on the wrong side of history consistently with this team. I was just so thrilled last week that like there was a tremendous play that was made and I'm like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like expectations were low for this team. So like, I'm happy anytime they can kind of make headlines for doing something great. But then I am reminded of like statistics like this and I'm like, um, this isn't good guys. Like this is not good. Yeah, it's really not good. They've been going through it for the last couple of years. Um, probably since like 2018, I want to say things have been like on a downward trajectory. So it's been a while since we've had any levity around the team. Obviously there's moments like Chris saying, Alec Thompson being in the major leagues, Alec Thompson is incredible. He's such a dynamic player. It's so fun to watch him. Um, you know, Buddy Kennedy is going to be making his major league debut tonight. Who We've all been anticipating. He's a third baseman that we've all been really excited for if you're following Diamondbacks prospects at all. So, like, there are a lot of positive things that have happened in small spurts and moments and games and things like that. But overall, oh, it's been tough to be a Diamondbacks fan for the past couple of years. And I so feel for that fan base. Um, but I just hope that. I mean, I'm on the Diamondbacks podcast sometimes and I talk about how this is like a wait and see season, right? Like your expectations shouldn't be too high because they didn't make any big moves in the off season. They're kind of just waiting and seeing until their big prospects that are coming up through their system because they have a top five farm system in Major League Baseball um, until they can make it and they can kind of form that team around those young guys. So it very much is a wait and see season, but um, it's just tough. It's so tough. The other thing that's tough is like obviously if you your players are who you, who they are, but didn't they just get a new hitting coach this year? So yeah. like to see them make a move like that, and then to see them have like a historically low production at the plate is also not very encouraging whatsoever. But again, like you're, the players are who they are or whatever, but you still have some some key guys that are left on this team. Like it, it shouldn't be a historically bad offensive team in my in my opinion. Yeah, um, Nicholas had a comment that was really good. He pointed out the fact that the Diamondbacks are living and dying by the home run ball, and that's so true. I don't know if 
you know, there's a lot of things that kind of go into the, that factor into that, whether it's the baseballs are being tampered with by Major League Baseball. Um, the guys are getting used to like their new hitting coach and are trying to switch up their mechanics. There's a lot of things that factor into that, but they really are living and dying by the home run ball this season. Um, long ball is their game. Short ball is not their game. They're having a really hard time just like putting the ball in play. And um, I just hope that they can kind of work through whatever the, those little issues are and become the dynamic team that I really think they can be. Um, and I think once they get those additions from their minor league system, I think we'll start to see a brighter future ahead. But until then, it's going to be a little rough. So I'm sorry, Diamondbacks fans. <laughs> Buckle up. I promise. It, it'll be worth it someday when we're World Series champions for the second time. Um, you know, all this talk, Shearson, has kind of made me need some OGs. I'm going to be honest. I was just about to say, in the meantime, um, go get on a little OGs. Yeah. Um, as you guys know, OGs is our partner and I can't say enough good things about them. They are a scratch made THC kitten kitchen here in Arizona that make the best flavored gummies. Why are you laughing? Because you said it's scratch made kitten. Kitchen, kitchen, kitten, my kids over there. You said um, <laughs> I'm already high. Just kidding. No, I'm not. Um, <laughs> they are based in Arizona. They make the best tasting gummies. The orange creamsicle, 10 milligram uh, indica are my favorite. I take that right before I want to go to sleep and I knock out and have the best sleep of my life. But they also have just come out with their three milligram microdose option, which are Cheerson's favorite because they are small. They are like a lower dosage. They're really easy for beginners. If you're wanting to try gummies, but you don't want to like jump off the ledge all the way, Go with their microdose options because they are perfect for newbies, beginners, or if you're a longtime consumer and you just like want a little happy high, go for the three milligram ones. Um, and they also just launched their pina colada flavor, which is delicious. I've had them. They are so yummy. Orange creamsicle is still my favorite flavor, but the pina colada is pretty good and it's summertime. So, you know, you kind of want a pina colada and it's kind of perfect. But stop by your local dispensary and grab some amazing scratch made THC gummies from our friends at OG's. If you're interested in trying these amazingly delicious variety of flavors that OG's Brands has to offer, go to ogsbrands.com. That's O-G-E-E-Z brands.com to find an OG's near you. <laughs> Woo! Can we what? throw up this Josh Hunt? Scratch made kittens here. Get your freshly made scratch scratch kitchen kittens. I can't even say it. I'm laughing you, so hard. You did not do that justice. All right, scratch made kittens here. Get your scratch made, freshly made scratch kittens here. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh my god, that was incredible. Um, Sean's from New York. If anybody didn't can tell from the accent that was just delivered, um, <laughs> that was that was very well done. I think we've made two things into things, and I think that the scratch made kittens is one, and then, um uh what was it but what did i say earlier that somebody dead. what dead butt. butt. oh yeah dead butt there we go that's those are the two things that we are coming away with scratch made kittens and dead butt there you oh, go love it. You know, <laughs> here on the phoenix sports podcast all right cheers what we got next well, I think we're going into a segment that we like to call the comment section, where we take a look at what athletes are saying to each other on social media. And first uh, is a conversation between Mikhail Bridges and the Arizona Diamondbacks, which we mentioned we had like a little breaking news last Friday. Um, and the conversation uh, has developed since then. 
Yeah, so Mikhail Bridges quote-tweeted himself on Twitter saying that he needs to bring back his Phillies fan page Twitter account because um, he's a big Phillies fan. And the Diamondbacks saw this because it was so conveniently timed because the Diamondbacks were about to play the Phillies and they said, this feels personal and it hurts, to which Mikhail responded with a crying face, guys, I'm sorry. It was a very lighthearted exchange and it kind of made me laugh. But then it got a little bit more serious when the Diamondbacks wagered a bet with Mikhail saying, how about a friendly wager to make up for it? We win the series. You can come to a game in full D-backs uniform, hat, jersey, pants, the works. If the Phillies win the series, we'll have a Mikhail Bridges Appreciation Day on our account when they come to town in August. Deal? And then Mikhail Bridges replied, bet. So the Diamondbacks go and they play the Phillies and guess what? They lose the series. Um, they had some friendly banter going on in between the game. The Diamondbacks tweeted out a highlight of Josh Rojas making it a one-run game and asking Mikhail Bridges how he was feeling, to which Mikhail Bridges replied, I'm feeling great. And um, it kind of just went downhill from there. Like I mentioned, the Diamondbacks lost the series. So Mikhail Bridges took to Twitter to say that he can't wait for Mikhail Bridges' day. Of course, adding the Diamondbacks because we don't do subtweets in this area. And then the Diamondbacks so kindly replied with a photoshopped version of Mikhail Bridges in a full Diamondbacks uniform saying what could have been. And Mikhail obviously got a ton of laughs out of that saying that he's weak. So now we have to look forward to Mikhail Bridges Day coming up in August when the Phillies come to town to play the Diamondbacks. And I don't know what's going to come out of that. All I know is this is genius and a really great way to market the game of baseball, to get it in front of more people. Obviously, Mikhail Bridges fans saw those tweets, so now they're really invested into this. And I'm really excited to see what creative things the Diamondbacks team comes up with for Mikhail Bridges Appreciation Day, because they have a ton of stuff to work with. Mikhail Bridges is the most animated character that I think the Phoenix Suns have ever had on their roster and I can't wait to see the memes and the gifts and the pictures of Mikhail's facial expressions that come out of that. Hopefully Mikhail will actually go to the game and we can get some live content action but I'm excited for that and I think that was such a wholesome interaction. The comment section was amazing. <laughs> oh he has to throw out the first pitch no or is that like oh I don't know. I, there's no other way you can have Mikhail Bridges Appreciation Day and then not have him throw out the first pitch. Like, Yeah, I totally agree. I mean, I love everything about this. I love Mikhail's, um, like the way that he bets on his own sports teams, even if they're non-Valley sports teams and bets with his teammates. And I mean, I, I think that's awesome. I think that makes it super fun. And props to the Diamondbacks for doing something like that, because as you mentioned, like it just, in, in the end, it's just going to help them. So I think it's great. I, I think it brings a ton of attention to, you know, just Diamondbacks baseball in general. And, uh, and that series, I don't think anyone had that, that series circled on their calendar. Nope. But now, now we all do. <laughs> Genius marketing strategy. As someone who runs social media, I love it. 10 out of 10. Great job, everybody. Max seal of approval. <laughs> okay. This next series of tweets is so up my alley for so many reasons but mostly because it's pickleball related oh. best conversation on the internet this week so this guy named nat uh said my mom whooped some stealers in pickleball today and shared a screenshot of um of this text message so she 
um, she sent a picture of her and three guys and said, so I rolled up to North Park tonight to jump in a pickup pickleball game, started playing with these guys, had no idea who they were. Last game, the guy in the green shirt and I whooped the other two. Then everyone else there wanted to take our photo. Well, one of the guys was TJ Watt, JJ's brother who plays for the Steelers. And, um, like I, I it it's so wholesome that this this awesome lady who looks like she's like five feet tall just was like, Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna go like play a little pickup pickleball, ended up playing with, you know, three stealers, had huge. no idea. They were huge. <laughs> yeah, they like total they make her seem like she's like actually two feet tall. Um, and it just made for like the most wholesome content. So JJ Watt quote tweeted it and said, explain yourself, TJ, uh, to which TJ responded anytime, anywhere, one-on-one me versus you. And then JJ says, you lost me. You lost to me on the pickleball court. No less than two weeks ago. Dot, dot, dot. First off. (laughs) Say that again. I said the shade. The shade. Yeah. But like props to that lady. I want to like give her a high five. Yeah. I want her autograph. (laughs) The pickleball champ, the David versus Goliath, the one who defeated the Steelers players. (laughs) Freaking hilarious. She had no idea who they were. Like didn't even think to like, Hey, who are you guys? You're giants. And you look like you're probably professional athletes. Wasn't intimidated. Went out there with her freaking paddle and whoop some butt. I love it. That's going to be you in like 30 years. We're going to see Tirson out there like ganging up on some Arizona Cardinals players, like kicking their butt in pickleball. I think pickleball is going to skyrocket even more so than I think like everybody's going to play pickleball. Like, I don't even think it's going to be like, I mean, hopefully I can still keep up when I'm old. Like, I think the, I think the competition is just going to get like insane, especially when athletes start picking up on it um which they already are it's like it's totally like a side sport that like current professional athletes and then athletes that have retired have picked up it's a super easy sports to pick up but it's so fun it's addicting I will have to take your word for it because I don't do physical activity so I will be there with my pom-poms cheering you on in the stands in the shade with some water and an iced coffee um (laughs) but I do love how TJ and JJ have such a good relationship that they can banter back and forth um, on Twitter like that. I think it's great whenever you get to see athletes' personalities. Um, and it's even cooler when like they're family members and they have such a good sense of humor that they can make fun of each other. Um, so I love that interaction. That was one of my favorite interactions on Twitter this week. So wholesome, so positive. And uh, I think we ended this on a good positive note. <laughs> yeah, JJ Watt also um, has made being a Cardinals fan, at least in the off season, so much more fun because of his antics. Um, like he's brought a, a lot to just being a Cardinals fan. So we appreciate you, JJ. We do. I'm so glad you're in a Cardinals uniform. You are a 10 out of 10 human being, but you know who else we appreciate? We appreciate all of you for watching. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Phoenix Sports Podcast. We do this every Friday at 1230. So make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel now and ring the bell so you'll get notifications whenever we go live so you don't miss a show. We have done three shows now of this new format and every single segment on every single show has been different. So you never know what you're going to get when you tune into the Phoenix Sports Podcast. We'd like to keep it new, fun, and fresh. 
while you're there, make sure you become a member at gophnx.com. We like to think of ourselves as a family and we want to include you in our family. So sign up for a membership. You can get your first month for only 50 cents or if you become an annual member, you'll get a free t-shirt from the PHNX Locker. I've got on our Pocket Flag Stack shirt and I love it. It's so simple. Such a cool way to wrap rep my pride for PHNX and the Valley. Um, so make sure you become a member. You can join our members only Discord where Cheers and I are in and everybody else in PHNX is in. You can talk with us whenever you want about whatever you want, preferably sports, because I don't know, that's kind of what we talk about anyways. But whatever it is, make sure you become a member. We would really appreciate it. And like I said, if you're listening to this podcast on an audio-only format, leave us a five-star review. It really helps us out, and we really appreciate that. And uh, thank you guys so much for tuning in. We appreciate you all so much. You guys are like our family, and I just look forward to reading your comments every single show. I think this is a great way to start the weekend. Cheers. I don't know about you, but I'm super excited for this weekend. I'm stoked, and I hope all of you guys have a tremendous weekend. Thanks again for listening. We will see you next week at 1230. Bye.